and the first week we came back was an ice storm and i was like don't worry about it this never happens it'll be gone in two days like three weeks later it was still like ice storm <laughs> like people like you can find videos of people just skating to work we hired cleaners to come in to clean and we had cleaners turn down the job because it was so nasty Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right. Today, we are here with Carmen Poon and Kevin Koo. Um, we are super excited to talk with you guys. You guys are with Zenith Invest Investment Properties, excuse me, um, and you guys have been doing some awesome stuff over the past year. Really excited to get into your story. Um, before we do that, though, let's kick it off with a crazy transaction. Could you tell us your craziest experience Whoa. in real estate thus far? All right. Get ready for this one. <laughs> yeah, so this one we call it the cursed house. Uh, we got it in, I think, 2019? 2020. 2020. 2020. Sorry, 2020. Yes, we got it as a wholesale deal, deal, sight unseen. Um, we only saw photos. It was a very good price and the numbers worked. So when we um, got the property, we found that there was a, uh, it's a triplex. There was a hoarder, um, drug addict person living there. We don't even know that person's name. And um, very, like, wouldn't open the door, very uncooperative. And then uh, for some reason, um, later on I found that um, the lady, uh, she abandoned the place. So uh, for the Ontario, Canada, the, the laws here is that you have to leave the place um, untouched for 30 days and they will call it abandoned if that's the case. So our property manager put the sign up, um, you know, and then, you know, just waiting for, um, to, to tell people know when she left. And then I think like on the 29th day, she decided to come back. Uh, and then the proper, the property manager is like, basically like, no, if you come back, I'm going to sue you because, um, he tried to go in the unit and he couldn't even open the door. There was so much stuff. The stuff is like taller than a human being. There's so much stuff. And he's like, I'm going to sue you for like uh, basically ruining the place. And then, um, she had her social worker come in and like trying to like, you know, negotiate to come back. But basically, um. Yep, the property manager is like, yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take action on you. I'm gonna sue you, and then so the workers are there, they're gonna back off. So finally, she left. Uh, we hired cleaners to come in to clean, and we had cleaners turn down the job because it was so nasty. They found um, needles. They found human feces. Uh, you know, they had to wear biohazard suits to go in to clean out the place. And then when they finally cleaned out the place, I think, I don't know how many bins it took. Five, five bins. Five full bins. This was a one bedroom apartment. Five bins? Okay, it's not. The square footage is a big place. It's crazy, it's crazy. I was about to say, welcome to my life on a Tuesday, (laughs) but not in a one bedroom apartment. (laughs) Like, no way, that's crazy. That is so wild. So um, we had the pest control people go in. They go in and said, this is cockroach heaven. It was absolutely disgusting. So they, they, you know, they got rid of the roaches and the pests and all that, and they had the renovation. Uh, Forest sprays. Forest sprays. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Contractors go in. Um, we were about, I think, like a week or two yeah. weeks out to getting done. And um, I think at that time it was February and it was really cold. We're up in Canada. And uh, the one of the pipe froze. And it leaked. This is triplex. This is on the top floor. Leaked from the top floor all the way down to the apartment underneath and all the way to the basement. Three units gone. Whoa. <laughs> what, two weeks away, yeah. So, wow. Yeah, so then we call insurance. Insurance, are, of course, are fast to take your money. Like slow, 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 slow to pay up. Like they wouldn't look at our file for six months. So it just sat there for six months, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, like they had, I, like, I call them every day, I'm not kidding. I called them and I emailed them every single day till they picked up our file and they finally pushed it through. Um, so we got contractors in there. And so it's important to have a good power team. Ours was not a good power team at that time. So we had the contractors go in. They started the job. Halfway through, they're like, I'm moving to Florida. See ya. Whoa. And we go in there. Yeah. <laughs> so we go in there and we're like, holy cow, nothing is done. Like things are not even working. Like, 
we had door trims that were like off by like an inch and a half, like gap you can just see through it. We're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, so we we flicked, we we figured out that we got through that. We went all the way through. We found out new contractors, new people. We're like a year in now. Our our JV partners are going nuts. Um, so yeah, like so we finally rented out on September fifteenth of this year. All right, they go in to clean it. They go to the basement. And the basement has water again. No. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it has water again. We go down there, we check it out, and like we we opened everything up, we redid the foundation, and and like it was kind of weird because we still couldn't figure out where the water is coming from. And so we finally like started cutting away all the ceiling. We removed all the ceiling in the basement, and the original contractors never connected the drain before putting the ceiling up. No. So drain was just going straight to ceiling, going behind the joists, going down. And so everyone thought it was foundation. We're like, the water is coming out from behind the wall. Like, where else can it be coming from? Foundation is the only explanation. No one thinks, like, the drain is not connected. Hey, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we got through that. Finally, we fixed it up. Everything's good now. Finally rented it out. And we managed to completely burr it out. Full burr. All money back and with a little extra on top for our partner. That's not what I so was. There's still a happy yeah, ending. That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> like you're talking about contractors, months, all this type of stuff. Yeah. Did the insurance cover all the issues the contractors had as far as like not doing, like, did they come back and fix the foundation and all that stuff? No, no, they didn't. They didn't. Like, like in, in all honesty, it was not no point to go back to them. Because it would just be another year down the yeah. drain, right? We're just like we're just gonna we're gonna pump through it. We're gonna get it. We have a full burr, so let's just let's just go. This is we'll figure it out. You know, one of the reasons we love doing these stories is hopefully to inspire people that no matter how crazy their experience is, there are people that have gone before them that have done it. But I, I do wonder sometimes, like with us sharing this kind of story, is like like we might knock some people out of contention here. They might be like, "To heck with that." Um, but it's so cool to see you guys tie a nice little bow around it at the end, right? I mean, you all of that. I mean, what a deal you bought. You bought a deal so good yeah. that something so bad could happen. You still get all your money back. Like, kudos to you guys. Where, where was this yeah. property located? This is in Windsor, Ontario. Okay, cool. It's like at the board. It's at the Detroit. Border. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, it's like right there. I was just in Detroit in July. How fun! Especially yeah, we were we were there recently. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just cross the bridge. We'll, we'll come meet you. All right, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So tell us about your journey. Tell us a little bit more about you guys, and then what ended up getting you into to real estate. Of course, yeah. Um, I guess I can start. Uh, I think I started to look into real estate uh, back in early 2019. Actually, before then, I didn't really look into real estate. I was looking for. FIRE, so uh, Financial Independence Retire Early, that movement. Because at that time, I was in a job. There's nothing wrong with the job, but for me, it didn't really have any meaning. Uh, because before that job, I was working in a uh, nonprofit uh, TV uh, station, and I found that, you know, very meaningful work, but there was just not much money involved. Um, so, and then we're just, you know, you know since we have, we have a place, we want family, all that stuff, and I should probably get, you know, a real job <laughs> to make more money. As I did the job, I just felt like so hollowed out. I just feel like there was no meaning. And then I'm like, oh, what should I do? How can I how can I make money without you know going nine to five and feel, feeling feel like I'm I'm doing something uh useless? Let's just put it that way. Um, so I started looking. I'm like, oh, what's a hustle? Hustle? I mean, we can actually we dabbled a bit into YouTube. Um, and then we're like, oh, actually, real estate actually does get makes a lot more money than like a YouTube video. So I started looking into that. And then I'm just thinking like, huh, like I'm just planning on my future. Like I want to, I want to, in the future, I want to be able to like, you know, take my kids to school, pick them up, make dinner for them and always be there for them. And I just thought about my childhood, how my parents did that for me. And I was discussing with Kevin and Kevin's like, that's not how. (laughs) People's parents go to work. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean people's parents go to work? Like, And I'm just like, wait a second. Mine never really went to work. Um, They just did like some odd jobs here and there. And I'm like, how, how did they make them work? We have three kids. We live in Australia, so it's not a cheap country to live in. And then so I just decided to ask them one day. I'm like, hey, um, I just realized that this is like 
I'm old. I'm an adult asking them this question. It was like last year. Well, a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, so how, how, how did you make it work? And they're like, oh, yeah, we, we had some real estate, and then that's how we were able to move you guys and, you know, all that stuff. Like, they said it so nonchalantly. They're like, you yeah, know, we did real estate. Obviously. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> what, 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 like, I want this. And they're like, oh, you know, we moved you to Australia because, you know, we wanted you to have the freedom. We wanted you to have the education. And now you can, you can have a regular job and have a peaceful life. And I'm like, but yes, but this is, I guess, like, to them, this is, like, great. Like, because they, they never went to school in China. They, like, basically left China to, well, I was born in Macau. So at that time, after like soon after I was born, that was the um, Tiananmen massacre in, in Beijing. So that's when the um, communist government used tanks and crushed the students who wanted like freedom of speech and democracy. So when they saw that, they were like, oh crap, I better move my family because um, I don't know how, uh, with the geopolitics there, like Macau would go back to China in 1999. Like Hong Kong went back to China in 1997. So they're like, we better leave before that happens. So, uh, yeah, so in, I think, about five, six years' time, they made a lot of money, enough to move the whole family to Australia, and then my siblings came. So my sister and my brother six, seven years younger than me. So in between that time, they hustled real hard, built real estate, and then they moved, and then they just never mentioned it. <laughs> and I just lived my little fairy tale, happy childhood life where my parents, both my parents are always there, and there's always they're always at home, and they always pick me up. All that stuff, I, I never really thought of it because I'm just thinking about my situation. I'm like, hey, wait a second. If I had a kid, then how am I going to make it work? Like nine to five, like I need someone to pick them up. I need childcare, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, that doesn't work. So, um, so when I found out it was real estate, that's when we decided to do real estate. And we bought our uh, first property in July 2019. It's a full of winter. And then we're like, okay, we can maybe one one a year, and then we bought the next one the year after that. Um, but afterwards, we, like the prices was like way way high. Um, when so I think appreciation was like through the roof, and so we felt like, oh, I don't know what to do. We feel like um, we've been priced out, and we were very stagnant, especially like since COVID hit. Everything was just like through the roof, and uh, yeah. I guess that that goes into the next mindset part, but I want to backtrack a little. I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, Kevin and I both, um, how we met was that we both worked in a nonprofit TV station. So we both, um, our parents were very supportive of us, like doing things like help that helps people, and they never really cared about money in a way. Um, I guess for my parents, they, yeah, they they had money, so they didn't care. Um, but then now as an adult, I'm like thinking like, Hey, how do I live? Like in the society, I need money. And so that's why, you know, moved to a more corporate job. But then, um, even though I want, I'm doing real estate to help ourselves to be more financially independent, our hearts is to go back into doing something meaningful that can help people. So this is kind of like our why it's not just to like, okay, so I can be there for my, um, for my kids, yes, I want to do that, but I also want to uh, be able to spend time on projects that I care about. Yeah, and, and I think, sorry, you were going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say that's a tremendous answer. I mean, I, I love the whole journey there because <laughs> the fact that you didn't even know what your parents were doing and it's just like, oh, they're around all the time. And I'm just like trying to imagine that because my dad's an entrepreneur. He was never around pretty much. So <laughs> I had the opposite experience. So, I mean, it's just it's just interesting. Um, and I totally agree with you in, in, in regards to a job. Like, no thanks. I would never do it. I'd rather die. Um, <laughs> so go ahead, Kevin. No, I was going to say, it, 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 like, just going off, off of where she was going, like, our why is a big reason for real estate. And, like, for, for both of us and for me in particular, like, I work in, like, an indie production company, and, and a lot of the stuff we do is based around human rights, uh, which is which is what we want to do. And, and like, like, your podcast is, is titled Freedom Chasers, right? We're, we want to bring freedom to other people as well. Uh, not only financially, but also like on the human rights front, because there's a lot of things going on around the world. Um, and so like part of that is the company I work for, we did a doc over the last five years. Um, and it, it had a really special place to us because it, um, 
it talks about the, the uh, talks about Falun Gong, which is a spiritual uh, practice of truthfulness, compassion, tolerance. Um, but it was it was it, it was started it was I guess they started to crack down it on in China because of how many people started to practice it, and so people were arrested, people were were tortured, people are killed, and and not many people know about it. Um, so the doc is based on that, and it's called Eternal Spring that we did. It took five years to make. It's half animation, half live action. And it talks about um, how people in a certain city counter the government's narrative um, and how they took over the airways to, to get their message out and out to the city uh, and, well, the country, in, in effect. Um, and so that, that's what we worked on for five years. I kind of have a, a part in it as well. Um, and so that so this year it was actually chosen as Canada's choice for the Oscars. So we are so like it really like propels us to want to do more and like try and get out because doc, indie docs are not making money. I can tell you that. Yeah, man, I, I'd like to spend a few minutes here if we can. So Carmen, when your parents made the decision to move, can you remind us how old were you at that point? Um, when we left to move to Australia, I think I was six. Okay, so you maybe have some memories from there, formed by six. Like, how hard was that on you? How hard was that on your parents to to make that transition? Obviously, the, the reasons were pretty valid to get out of there, so that helps repel. But I mean, obviously, they're probably sure they're leaving a lot of family and friends behind in that move. I mean, what was what was that like? So for my parents, I think it's really hard for them because they don't know English. Yeah. Um. So and they have no like friends or family there. Uh. Yeah, so it's it's to me because I was a kid, like I, I can adapt pretty easily, right? But uh, I, I I actually was pushed to become mature really really fast because my parents didn't know English. So basically, I was the translator for everything. Uh, I wrote six all the years checks. Old. Yeah, <laughs> like if, if there's any payments and things like that, I wrote the checks. I remember the credit cards off my heart so I can do the payments. I oh. um I would like even actually I would even negotiate for them. For like uh, work done or like even buying a house and things like that. Basically, they tell me what to say and I translate in my little way. And I guess I don't know if people felt sorry for me. No, okay, you can have it. But um, yeah. that's basically uh, what I did growing up. Basically, I just I was their uh, guide in a way uh, because they didn't know English. That's so interesting. So I want to dive in a bit deeper here. So. Did you learn English while in China at all? No, no, no. So you're brand new to yes. Australia, never learned English, six years old, translating business deals and negotiations for your parents. Yes. Like, I mean, if you have memories of this, and obviously you have some, like, how overwhelming was that? Like, I know you're going to be talking about mm -hmm. some mindset today. Kind of walk me through, like, what coping mechanisms, like what sort of things can you remember that that got you through that? Actually, like when you're a kid, you don't have a lot of thoughts. You're just doing what you're told. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, fine. I, I guess as I got a little older, sometimes I felt a little embarrassed to say certain things because they'll be like, oh yeah, lowball this. And I'm like, uh, I don't think you can do that. Although they were like, can you like ask for a discount in the department store? I'm like, department stores don't do that. But I'm like, okay, fine, I'll ask. So it's kind of like made me more like thick skin. But I, I think when you're really young, you don't really think like, oh, I'm embarrassed or whatever. It's only when I got older. Um, that's funny. Because that reminds me, like when I go to Mexico, because it's totally different down there, you can negotiate anything. Um, my wife will be there and she'll be like, oh, it's 20 pesos. I'm like, just just off from five and let's see what happens. Um, because everything is a negotiation there, yeah. but you can't do that here. Um, so <laughs> it's interesting how different like a country could be because of that, because it's totally 100% culturally different. It's totally normal in Mexico to barter on anything. But in America, I can't go to Walgreens and be like, I'm going to give you two bucks for this $5 thing. It's just not cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a tremendous experience. I'm sure that was probably a building block of, of where you are today. Is that, do you feel that way as well? I 100% feel that way. I feel like um, when I was younger, a lot of people thought I was more mature than I am. I mean, now I'm older now, so I, I think I'm grown to my age. But, um, yeah, when, even when I was a teenager, lots of people thought I was like 20-something years old. But just because of the way I speak to people, I'm not afraid to speak to you know, adults 
or I deal with like adult things just because I've been doing it all my life. Totally. So I'm going to bring Kevin in this conversation. Like the doc that you guys are doing, I think is so fascinating. And so tell me about your journey. Like, so were you also born in China? If so, when did you guys, or, or were you born in, in Canada or? Yep, I was born in Canada. I was born and raised here. Um, I'm first generation. My parents worked their ass off, working like two jobs, you know, like the typical immigrant story, just to get food on the table and never complaining, you know. So that, that's more my story. I had a lot of microwave meals. She doesn't know what a microwave is. <laughs> so that, that's kind of like, like my thing. And, and I was like kind of on the path of, you know, like with every other parent um, of that generation. Hey, just go to school, do good, get a good job and just live your life just retire after 30 years you'll be fine and then so as, as i got into it i got older um i thought like there were more important things in life um than money like money was never a driving force for like the things i wanted to do um so that's when i we started doing more human rights things more more things on, on docs we do other things aside from television and so we we but you know how the world works you still need money so if you want to do what you want to do, you need to figure out a way to find to find to find money and, and make money. So that's how uh, we got more into real estate. I'm just following her <laughs> because so of, yeah, I, it, I, it just makes sense. I want to know your guys' yeah. love story. So because okay. you're you're in Canada, she's in Australia. So how, how did this right. thing come together? So I was I was sent from Canada to New York to the New York office. Uh, so we lived so I lived in New York for eight years. Uh, we worked there for eight years, and we met at work. Yeah, so um, I think when I graduated, I basically decided to do some volunteering work, and then I ended up in New York volunteering for a uh, nonprofit TV station there, and that's how I met Kevin. And then I brought her back to the cold. <laughs> it just like it just got colder and colder and colder. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why don't we go back to Australia instead? Why did I follow you to Canada? I'm so stupid. So okay, if we have time for a short sidebar story, yeah, like, go for it. When we're moving back, right? I'm like, global warming, no worries. There's not even winter in Canada anymore. And so we came back that year, and the first week we came back was an ice storm, and I was like. Don't worry about it. This never happens. It'll be gone in two days. Like three weeks later, it was still like ice storm. <laughs> like people, like you can find videos of people just skating to work because it was just thick ice on the ground. Like everything was was beautiful but dangerous. It would just fall on you. Um, and then so after that it was three huge snowstorms in a row, right? And and then she's looking and she's like, "You lied to me." And and to make matters worse, it was so cold that year. I think it was like hitting negative 30. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but negative 40 is like where it intersects, right? So you can imagine how cold it is. Um, like if you throw water, it freezes on as soon as you throw it, right? And so the it was so cold, so fast that the groundwater would freeze and expand. So there was like mini earthquakes and like yeah. you could hear them. And I was like, I've never heard this before. I swear, yeah. I haven't lived here either. <laughs> that is yeah. so cold. Yeah, so we haven't had that kind of winter for a while, so we're gonna knock on wood and hope it doesn't happen again. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. crazy. So you said it was—it's negative thirty Celsius. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, that is nuts. I, I remember. My... Yeah. Yeah, I remember a similar story almost because I'm Chicago, so not far from yeah. you guys. Our weather is probably fairly similar, and I remember yeah. telling somebody that. You know, it never gets cold here anymore. It's really not that bad. It was much colder when I was growing up, I promise. And, you know, it yeah. snows a few times a year. Um, and then a friend of mine came to visit or something. And that was when we had like this huge polar vortex. And it was like negative 30 degrees. And exactly like you said, if you threw water up in the air, it would freeze. And yeah. I'm just like, it's not normally like this, dude. Like, it was colder in Chicago than it was in Antarctica that day. So, oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was pretty nuts. Um, that's a cool story. Um, I was curious too, how you, how you ended up from Australia to Canada, but that pretty much explains it. So let's kind of bring it forward now. Like you guys are big on mindsets. Like, let's talk about the biggest challenges with mindset that you guys have had so far, because obviously if you're passionate about it, you probably had an issue that you had to solve in the past. Yeah. Yeah. 
you want to go or you want me to go? I, I guess we, we were, a lot of times, it was us limiting ourselves. And we're like, no, what do we do? We can't do it. We don't have enough money. We don't, we don't know how to do it. We don't know who to talk to. We don't know this. We don't know that. Like, it's all just limiting beliefs that we're like, how, how, what are we going to do? And then it kind of like just, just holds you back, right? And as soon as you have those, it, it held us back. And, and so how we kind of got through that is we, we went to take coaching. Um, because after we picked up the first two properties in COVID, we're like, I don't know what to do. We have to do something. I mean, can't work in nonprofits forever. <laughs> so we're, we're, we, we, um, we went to get coaching. Like she was, we were, I don't remember how many months pregnant, at least three months pregnant. And we're like, we're just going to do it. It's now or never like, you're going to have a child. We need to figure out how to feed her. Let's figure something out. So we're like, the best way to get ahead is to take coaching. And so after we took the coaching, it was through um, Infinite Results Program with Corey McKinnon and our, and our coach, um, Mark Smith, huge on mindset. Like, he's all about mindset. He spent tons of money on himself just to improve that portion of his life. And so he's passing that down to us. And, and so going through that, like, one by one, we're like, oh, we're actually really good at numbers. We can figure this out. Like, why? Like we do this all the time. Like, our job is always high stress, high, high, you know, high velocity. That's, real estate is, is easier than that, right? And so just one by one, we get through and peel all back all the layers of the, of the onion. And uh, we figure out a way to get, get through each one and solve each problem. I love this. And so you can kind of see Carmen's early life adventures and talents coming into play. And, and I like how you frame it as a comparison of difficulty, right? Like writing documentaries and maybe challenging the communist regime in China is probably a bit harder than fixing some pipes that are not connected, right? Um, as, as far as magnitude of difficulty. So like usually what we do in this show as far as the progression is end on purpose. But I think today let's flip the script a little bit. Let's go to purpose now. I think it makes more sense. And then maybe we'll get into real estate because I love how your real estate's fueling your passion. If, if you can dive in a bit deeper and, you know, really like as much as you're willing to say, like what human rights violations are important to you and, and what's the battle, what's the terrain look like? And, and just, just give a nice idea of, of what you want your vision to and to play out in. Of course. Of course. I, 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 I guess I'll go first. Yeah. It's okay. Um, because for, for me, it's like, it's direct right now. Like the last film I worked on, I'm, I'm not the creative person. I'm the guy that's behind, behind that makes sure the work is done. The budgets are on time. People are doing their work and people get whatever they need. So that, that's my job in the back as a producer. Um, so it, it's a project that, that we worked on for five years. Um, it's about the phone. We kind of talked about that a little earlier, but, um, the, the violation that happened within China and is, is it kind of happens every 10 years or so and that's how they kind of keep their power and, and that's how the communist um, mindset kind of works right you you control the people by instilling fear so it started with the student like i'm not going to go all the way back but it was called revolution there's all, a bunch of things in between but more recently was the Tiananmen square massacre the students um there's the tibetans then there's a Falun Gong. And then there's now the Uyghurs. So you can kind of see that like every time there's some, something new. And it's not like a one, one-dimensional problem. Um, but so we fight, we not fight it, but we, we address it for us personally because we do practice Falun Gong. Um, we, we talk about, a lot about that. And we can see like there, there's definitely patterns in how we do things. So we, we're trying to tell people, okay, this is kind of what's happening. Like this is this, or this, like, you know, they're, they're, they're persecuting people, they're killing people, they're, they're doing these kinds of atrocities. And how do we best raise that kind of, like, raise attention towards it, right? So my, my thought was, like, you know, you can do, like, a one-on-one -on -one thing. I can tell Kevin, you can, I can tell you, I can tell other people. But media is a huge, a huge, that makes a huge impact on people, right? You can reach millions, hundreds, millions, thousands, whatever, of people one go where like one talk to one person at a time so that was kind of the medium i chose and and i stuck with this doc because it, it really did mean something i could see it going somewhere um and so as we followed through the story like you meet all these really interesting people and and, and talk about like the things that they've gone through and just like it just tugs at your, your heartstrings and you just want to try and do more and you just want to help more people yeah. oh my turn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just go still ahead, listening Carmen. to you 
<laughs> yeah, so um, I think since we're basically both kind of the same position, like I'm also a pro um, production manager uh, with a little less experience now because I went into corporate and then, and then I went back into media again. And yeah, I was saying that I want to like touch on the how his, in his documentary, it was just talking about how the um, communist government is using media to brainwash the people so they would agree to persecute other people. And so that's why, that's why, um, the, you know, there's a, uh, I guess, they're trying to reverse the uh, propaganda. They're trying to tell people the truth. So I think um, for me, it's also like within the media, being able to tell people the truth and letting people um, raise the awareness and letting people know what's going on. Because um, right now, um, there's just so many biases. Even whatever news that comes out of China, it's all state-controlled. Nothing, mm -hmm. you, there's no independent news in China unless like, you know, you have like maybe an individual in there that's risking their lives getting the news or doing something. So, you know, my, my passion is to be able to go back into doing, working on some of these projects and um, letting people know what's going on. And it's not just within China because uh, the way China is, how, how much of the economic, I guess, power that they are. So many people know what's going on but they're not saying anything or doing anything about it. And uh, so you don't even really hear about it in our regular mainstream media, right? About any of these things. So being able to um, let people know the truth and tell people the truth is um, very important to me. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, like the things going on with the Muslims right now, I mean, that's pretty black and white. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows it's happening and nobody's doing anything yeah. about it. It's kind exactly. of crazy. And on top of that, like, how much do you think what you just said is impacted by like the social credit system, right? Because people are pushed down that are speaking out against yeah. the regime essentially. So um, basically it becomes very difficult to speak out because you, you could be punished very harshly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that, that, that was like the whole thing of the doc. Like anyone that spoke out, if it might be a little bit of a slight spoiler, like anyone that spoke out was, was dealt with, right? And they dealt with them in, in their own ways, which, you know, it, it was hard to make the dog. I can tell you that it, it was hard to find people. Wow. Yeah. Because okay. just by making that, they're, they're obviously likely to be killed. Yeah. Mm. Is it yeah. fair to say? That, that, that is very fair to say. Um, if I can tell you a little more, you were only able to find one person that survived. Um, and that's, Ooh. that's what wow. the story so yeah, I'm, we're going to have to go down this lane a little bit. I'm literally getting chills right now. So we're going to have to talk about this a little bit. Um, so so basically, you're interviewing people. Are these people that have left China? Or or give me a little bit more context here. Okay. So I'll give you a little context without try, without ruining the story. Because it's actually going to be in theaters in the next couple of weeks. So I want you guys oh, to go see it. And then we can talk about it. Oh, okay, God. cool. So, yeah. so we started this doc um, because we knew about the story, right? So when we started it, and and I mind you, I'm not the the one that's that's in, in charge. I'm just one of the producers. Um, so I'm not taking care of creative. I'm not doing that part. But I, I am heavily involved with finding people and, and doing like the groundwork. Um, so when we started it, it actually started more I think as as a feature film because we weren't sure what's happening. And and we have a an artist. Uh, his name is Dasho, and he is. He's, he draws for Star Wars, Star Wars uh, DC Comics. He's doing these kind of things. And he's from that city where this happened from. So we're like, okay, there might be a tie there. Let's see what we can do. And we wanted him to draw this animation. We started as a feature-length animation. And then as we started digging through it and, and like have, have talking to him about more about it, we're like, you know, I think we're onto something. Or, or the, the brain trust behind it was like, they're, they're onto something. And so they went to go and, you know, find more information, dig a little deeper, find new people, find this, find that. So we kept digging, we kept digging, we kept digging, and we talked to more people in New York, like all the people from the city. Do you remember what happened? Do you remember what do you remember? What do you remember? And so eventually they found out that um, there was one person that made it out of China. And he was fresh out of China. He just made it to Korea. And we're like, we're getting on that plane. We're going to go find him. And so that's what made the story. He told the story and our artists drew it and our team animated it. And so now we are kind of had his choice for the Oscars for the next year. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Like it's still a long process to get there. We're on a long list, but you know, it, it's just good to get that recognition and, and know that people are paying attention 
Yeah, and forgive my ignorance. So, so this goes to theaters. Yeah. To get exposure to the U.S., to Canada, yeah. those types of places. I'm assuming. Yeah. And and so, yeah, so, but media in China's controlled from from. Yeah. So the the message getting to China would be difficult to get there, right? Or. Hundred percent. It, it would be difficult, definitely, to get there. I'm sure some sort of bootleg version might make it in one day. But it would definitely not pass any of their filters, any of their firewalls. Like people are dying for information there, literally dying for information. So that's that's kind of why we have to impact it from the outside, right? Like those in, in there, they're they're stuck. They they are within a trap. You know, anytime they speak up, they they're at risk. They put themselves at risk. And even even like people from from our. Like our company does other things, Lofty Sky Entertainment, they do games, they do animation, they do other things. And so the the head of the company, Jason Loftus, um, we had other games that were actually already in China and made it through. And they they cracked down on it and they said, you can't do this. And you know why? Like that's pretty much what they said. And they, and then they took it out of the, the market in China and then they called his wife, who's, who's, who's Chinese and, and funny enough, from that same city where our documentary is um, is based. And they get they called they called their family like hey you gotta watch out you know like really slyly you know they just put that that kind of message and, and trying to coerce people from inside to to um, influence people outside. Wow. Dang. So this is a not our standard interview. Uh, no. It's it's it's, it's okay, new. right? It's okay. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's totally okay. <laughs> like like our our tagline right is increasing people's freedom and purpose, and you it's, know we believe that increasing people's financial freedom allows them to feel freer to pursue their purpose, which is essentially what you guys are doing, right? Exactly. It's like once the finances are taken care of, then you feel the freedom, right? And this is actually a common theme that that actually goes through a lot of even you know religions, like obviously being here in America where it's generally been founded on Christian principles. Like that was something that even Jesus did. He came and he said, Hey, look, like I want to heal you spiritually, but before I could do that, I'm going to heal you physically. So, you know, I have that ability. Right. And so it's like, as humans, you know, the hierarchy of needs, right. First food, shelter, all those things before we could serve these higher, higher need levels. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's interesting, but while I think we generally tend to care for like our financial needs first, I think a lot of us feel way more fulfilled by the other purpose, uh, you know, significantly more than having a house even. Um, like I know, exactly. like, you know, I mean, if my kids were in danger, I care less about my house, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to battle for them. So yeah, I mean, this is just, it's fun to talk to. So talk about, I should say. So, I mean, as much as you're willing to share, like, let's, let's go down it. So, so some questions that are, that are coming yeah. to, to my mind. So you guys obviously, you know, you were six Carmen, Kevin, you know, you were, you know, your parents came over, it sounds like. And so what cued you guys was it, Carmen, was it conversations with your parents? Like, how were you guys cued in to, to know that, okay, human rights is, is a thing that's, that's on my heart and knew it was a pursuit that you wanted to, to go after? Yeah, so um, as Kevin mentioned before, we both practice Falun Gong, which is um, what's being persecuted in China. So we, I started practicing before. I'm sorry, can I pause started. you for a second? Yes. Can you explain what that is a little bit? You don't have to tell the whole thing, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, sure. like, give us a broad strokes overview yeah, yeah. so the audience could have an idea, because I imagine yes. most of them don't know what it is. Yes, so uh, Falun Gong is a uh, spiritual cultivation practice for the mind and the body. So um, in terms of the mind, we follow the principles of truth, compassion, and tolerance and try to strive to be better people. And for the physical part, we do um, Qigong exercises. So kind of like, you know, Tai Chi, meditation, um, that's our physical exercise. And um, so for us, I, we started bef uh, in 1998, actually, because at that time, my mom was always very sick. Uh, she you know, goes to uh, Western doctors, goes to um, Chinese doctors, whatever doctors that she can find, um, but she was always still ill. Um, so she just went into like a community newsletter kind of thing and saw that, oh, you know, free Qigong class, free, um, free classes. So she just went and um, joined and basically after learning Falun Gong, she felt better. And then she basically got the whole family to start practicing. And so when being able to see the transformation in 
um, you know, in my mom and in my both my parents, uh, in like in terms of like their temperament and how they are, you know, more patient and better people. Um, I guess like you know, I, I mean, I was pretty young then too, and I I, I obviously just tagged along, but I also like believed in like you know those stories of like you know being good will be rewarded with good, being bad will be punished. And basically, like, you know, I know we have a community of people who practice as well. This was in Australia, actually, not in China. So, um, yeah. And then so when China decided to crack down on the practice um, in 1999, we were very confused. Um, when, and we were looking at them like, oh, these are just people that are doing exactly the same thing as I'm doing. We're meditating in the park. We're trying to be better people. Why are they being persecuted? Why are they being tortured? Why are they being killed? And so from there, there's kind of like grassroots efforts. They're like, okay, let's let's go and raise awareness. So when we were young, like my parents would um, take me to go hand out flyers in the street, you know, so people would see because we're like, what can we do, right? Outside, we're not in China. Like we're not going to go there and fight, fight. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to go and do stuff there. But so how can we, how can we make a difference? So I remember like I would used to, I used to like, um, going in front of city hall they would give me a mic i would make a speech and then i would like we would like talk to like counselors and um, mps and politicians um i would hand out flyers in the street we'll hold banners we would try to do whatever we can on um, parades rallies whatever it is and so i kind of like grew up like that um just because we really want to help people who are in that situation who are being persecuted in china just because you know we just cannot fathom why something so good is being persecuted and people are being killed for doing that. And I guess as I got older, I understood all oh, it's because of the communist regime. They want to control people and that's how they control people. Uh, so that's kind of how we got into, how I got into human rights. So thinking of like the logistics, so you guys fly to Australia, you're living in Australia. Like what's, like, are, is it so locked down from a tech perspective that they're tracking phone calls, listening in? Like, can you call people at this point and like get their story without fear of them being persecuted for it? Or, or what was that like? So you mean like calling people inside China? Yeah. Is that possible even when you were? Oh, you can call. Yeah. But then that's like, they are very, very good with surveillance yeah. and tapping. So you need to be very careful. Um, I remember what we used to do like around like holidays time, we would gather at like, you know, some people's houses and we would handwrite letters and send it into China so people can see and find out the truth. So mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of like different things that we try to do that's more, I guess, like quote unquote grassroots that's not as trackable. And then I guess like as I got older, I'm like, wow, how many letters am I gonna write by hand? How many things can I do, like, one at a time talking to people? How many flyers can I hand out? So that's why I got into media and be like, okay, I want to amplify that force. I want to amplify being able to, um, you know, tell people what's going on. And I know you guys are here, you know, in Canada. And so essentially, what do you fear any repercussions about what you're doing? Because you're not in China, but do you fear any repercussions for, for what you're trying to do? I think for me is that um, when my grandpa passed away a few years back, I wasn't able to go see him because I know they know who I am, right? So that's main thing is that I wasn't able to, you know, see family. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, I know people who are outside, like, you know, in the US and Canada that have been threatened by, you know, some communist spies or whoever it is of their safety here overseas but i mean like right now i'm I've, i also feel like the more open you are the more aware people are the less they're gonna do stuff to you because like if i told you like hey because you're in the if media something right? happens yeah well if, yeah if i tell you here if something happens you know who it is then you know what i'm saying like it's better to be out in the open than be secretive about it so totally. i've learned like like before I used to, I had that thought like, oh, I better not tell too many people about what I'm doing. But as I like, as I, you know, got, did more of this, I was just like, hey, they're scared of exposure. Keep, like basically like evil is scared of the light. So yeah. the more you can expose it, the more scared they're gonna become. So we, we, we're not in the wrong here. 
So why am I the one hiding? Yeah. Yeah. It's like when Elon Musk started tweeting out like, Hey, I might be dead here in a couple of days, guys. Just giving you a heads up. Someone's trying to yep. kill me. Yep. That's wild. Goodness gracious. Like, all right. So I got some psychological questions and Tim hop in anytime. I'm just asking questions after question, but from a psychological perspective, like, you know, you guys obviously have a passion for this, but like, are you guys like thrilled by the challenge of it? Is it like overwhelming? Like, tell us about the mindset, psychological aspects of this whole journey. I guess for me, I, I've always liked the challenge. I like puzzles. I like trying to figure it out. Um, and like our, our whole, like my job, that's, that's all I do, right? I just figure out something like really, Murphy's Law, anything that can go wrong is going to go wrong. That That's me. So I, I put things and, and piece things back together and I, and I like that. Um, so for me, that that's always been my mindset. Let's figure it out, take it back a step, let's evaluate and see what we can do next, what we can do next and what the next um, the next steps are. Um, so that's been my, my kind of mindset for things, like whether it um, doesn't matter what it is, like human rights or for real estate or for work, that's, that's been my, my, my kind of thinking. I think for me is, um, to be honest, it sometimes is a little tiring because <laughs> um, you feel like, oh, wow, you're, it's like, like a David versus Goliath kind of battle, right? And you don't really see when it's going to end. So it's like, wow, how long is this going to be? And then like, why don't I just like go back and enjoy my life? It's not that I'm saying I'm not enjoying my life, but like, you know, just have a typical life and you know, go work a regular job and blah, blah, blah. But then I tried that. And then when I tried it, I'm like, wow, my life is meaningless. <laughs> so so that's why I'm like, yeah, this doesn't work. I need, I, once I started on this train, I need to keep going. I need to go to the end. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, obviously you're fighting against, I, I mean, I think China actually passed us in GDP, right? So you're, you're fighting against the strongest economy in the world. So... I mean, that is a big, tall order. I can understand that being a huge weight on your shoulders. Um, but thank you so much for taking that battle. I mean, it's just, it's been tremendous just talking about this. And, and, and Kevin, like you mentioned your ability to solve problems. And I'm like, well, it doesn't, it makes sense that you guys are doing pretty well in real estate because I mean, that is like <laughs> the number one skill that you need in real estate is just to be able to solve problems because they're exactly. going to keep showing up. Like on the first property you guys were talking about. Exactly. So, I mean, sorry, sorry. you go ahead. Um, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, okay, There's a cool. little bit of a delay. Um, yeah, it's funny. I was just joking with you. We just closed on a property yesterday. Okay. And we signed 80 pages off. Like, we thought we were ready to go. Everything's done. Monday, we signed all the documents. 80 pages of it. Like, more than I've ever signed in my life, right? We're all signing 80 pages of documents. The next day, they're like, here's 10 more. Can you sign these ones? There's, can you sign these ones? On closing day, they're like, oh, by the way, we need another piece of insurance. And by the way, we need to change your, the addresses on the insurance because it's missing a dash or something. So we're doing this at like literally past the 11th hour. We're closing at three. They're calling us at two. And then on top of that, they're like, oh, you know what? Can you get a second lawyer just so we, they can explain to you what you're getting into? We're like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, we need this too by three. We're like, Okay, and I'll and I'll say, I'm like, don't worry. This is where we thrive. When everyone else gives up, mm -hmm. this is when we go. This is our yeah. time to shine, and we got yeah. it done. It's closed. <laughs> that is the way to think. So, yeah. I mean, I know we did this for real estate, yeah. But I think me and Matt are super interested in that, this documentary. But if you guys prefer to talk about real estate, we could get back into real estate if you want. But this documentary thing is pretty pretty engaging for both me and Matt. I think. So just let me know sure. where you guys want to go, and we could go in whatever direction I, I'm you okay want. To and go we could edit this part out, obviously. You are the guy. Yeah. You, you lead us to where you want to go. So I want to I want to tackle purpose. Like I think what you said, Carmen, has has such like profound implications. You know, in the sense that it's like we strive for humans is for comfort, but then you know you you get in the mix of this fight. And now all of a sudden comfort doesn't feel the same anymore. Like comfort loses its luster. And, and so like, I just think like, it's so exciting because like one of the things we try and question and expose with our guests is like, how do they balance the money-making aspects with the purpose aspects? So 
I want to take this question into maybe something that you've thought through or planned, maybe something that you haven't. As you're planning your financials towards your freedom, how do you define when you've reached your freedom? And how do you define like when, when it stops? Because like in the one end, you can look at it like, I want to grow an infinite amount of wealth so I can have an infinite amount of money to help the cause. But to the degree that you're building wealth is time energy away from the cause. So, so on that problem, that equation, how are you guys working through balancing that? I think it, it's, as you said, everything needs a balance, right? Like you can't be like hundred percent on, on human rights because we still have to live. We have a, a newborn baby. So we need to make sure that she's taken care of. Right. So when, when as you were asking, when did we find that balance or when we say enough is enough? Uh, I think that's when, that's when we're able to do projects that we want to do when we want to do them. So we're not saying we're going to like fire. We're just going to go and lay on the beach, but I want to be able to work on, on this project right now because I can. Um, and it doesn't matter how much I'm going to make. It doesn't matter if I make it, nothing as long as I can, I can do that when I want. And if I make something on that, then great. I can, we can, we can live too. Yeah, and I think like it's not that we will stop one thing and not do the other because like right now Kevin is still working. I'm on mad leave now, but later on I'll go back to work. So it, it will happen at the same time. It's not like I'm gonna put this on pause and then and then do this thing. It it still happens simultaneously. We just realize that whatever money that we make from these projects is probably not enough in this day and age. Yeah. <laughs> and, and part of that goes back to to real estate, your, your, your question here, because, you know, like it takes time, right? We're, we're new to this. We've only been doing a couple of years, but we, we figured out and we were told that the main thing to get this off the ground and to spend less time on it is to build the systems. So right off the bat, we were building systems, figuring out like what goes where, and, and that's like my personality. If I took that personality test, it said I'm an operator. And I just like things in order. I like things, how it works, one after another, everything organized. And so that's what I focus on. I focus on building that system so we can talk to our VA, we can talk to our assistants, we can talk to our contractors, whoever's helping us, and they know exactly what to do without too much oversight. So we're going to be the ones that oversee it, yes, but in general, they are able to do most things themselves. Yeah, this is absolutely tremendous stuff. So I wanted to congratulate you. I don't know. I don't think we brought this up on the show yet. You have brought up your daughter a couple times. So she's five and a half months old. Last time I spoke to you, so I might be a couple of weeks off there. Um, yeah. Congratulations. And you guys have managed Thank to acquire you. a property every month since she was born. And so that's impressive, too. So you guys are still acquiring properties. You guys are working on this documentary. You guys are just crushing it out there. So, I mean, I just want to say, like, hats off to you guys. Um, and, and that's kind of a segue to my my question here, because you guys obviously have a career in the media industry. It's like, Have you been able to utilize that in your real estate business to assist you or, or just give me an idea? Because I feel like that would be extremely relevant experience. Um, I don't know if I want to do that. As in, like, I want I, I will like piggyback off like, oh, I, I know some knowledge like oh, in terms of like making videos or social media and all that. But I don't want to be like, hey, you put my stuff on your channel or whatever it is. I want to, I do want to separate that because I don't, I don't feel like it's the right thing to do. Yeah, but in terms of skills, we definitely utilize the skills that we we picked up from from media, right? Like organization, being on time, you know, getting all the paperwork done. Those are all things that I do at work, and um, yeah, I think I think those things all all do help in terms of skills, and we do use them. Like we know how to set up set up our, our cameras, we know how to do like social media, we know how to do do all that. Um, yeah. So although today I could not get the mic working. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny, right? I forgot you guys yeah. had some tech issues. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You guys should have told us how to do it. Um, <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's just such an awesome story. I mean, the whole thing in general. Um, Obviously, this movie's coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, are you able to say the title and, and where people yeah, can yeah, find it? Yeah, of course. I, I would love to do that. Thank you for letting, allowing me to. Yes, it's please do. It's Eternal Spring. Uh, Eternal Spring. It opens uh, in U.S. It, it's in Canada already has opened, um, and it's in theater right now. But in, in the U.S., it will open on October 14th. 
um, at the Film Forum in New York City. And then following that, it'll open up in like 49 theaters in 32 cities at AMC uh, on October 21st. That's amazing. Awesome. And then it will spread out throughout all of them at some point or just only those select theaters? Well, it depends if you guys go or not. <laughs> right? So if they see that the uh, numbers are good for people to go see it, they will extend it and maybe expand more. So, and also like with New York, I think the film forum is where they choose the Oscars contenders. So they, they're going to um, basically pay attention to how many people go. And then that would catch the eye of the um, jury. I don't know when this is coming out, but hopefully before. <laughs> yeah. Well, we might be able to bump it up. Um, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah. so, I, I, no, so, I mean, no, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally going to support you. So, I mean, I'm definitely one of the 32 cities. I'm, I'm sure Chicago's in there. Um, so I will be there on the 21st. Thank so you. I'll do what I can for you guys. And, um, this has just been so cool. Like the whole experience. I mean, this was a total curveball for me, but I enjoyed every second of it. Yeah, it's great. I, I, we, we like talking to people and, and getting to know people like that. I think that's, that's another thing in real estate that, that was, that was one of our living beliefs and, and mindset thing is to just go in and talk to people. Like it might be hard to believe, but I am a complete introvert. I just want to sit at home, do nothing. Don't talk to anyone. Leave me alone. But getting out there, putting myself out there was a big step for, for me. So I have some questions regarding that. So first of all, Thank you for continuing to overcome the introversion and so on and so forth. Did you do any analysis on like what allowed that? Like, were you pulling from the motivation? Like, Hey, I've got to get this done to buy the properties and to get the money to serve my ultimate mission. Like, or was it a completely different thought pattern on how, how to overcome some of those limiting beliefs and some of those weaknesses? Very great. Very good question. Um, I don't know how, like, I guess Kyle can speak to it for okay, me, I so, just go. So I think when we first got into the um, coaching program, we were thinking like, oh, they're going to teach us some skills. They're going to teach us some strategies of how to get deals and how to do things. But it's completely different from what we expected. It's all like a lot of that mindset. They do teach us some skills and all that stuff, but a lot of that mindset. And through working through that, they were like, oh, we actually had all these limiting mindsets we didn't even know we had. So that's kind of how we, you know, got through all these mindset things and like, oh yeah, this, this is actually more important than getting the skills. Because if you don't have the mindset to do it, I, like what I, the, why I like to think of is like, you know, everyone knows that a diet and good diet and exercises helps you lose weight, but how many people actually does it, right? So without the discipline, without the consistency, you're not going to be able to lose weight. So it's, so... People, you can learn the skill, but then without the right mindset, you can't get it done. So that's how I usually compare it. Uh, I think for me, in terms of talking to people, I'm okay. I don't really love talking to people either. She's been doing it since she was six, though. Yeah, I'm forced <laughs> She's to. She's great you know. at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forced to. But I think um, the real estate um, investor community is very different from a lot of other communities that I've been part of. Um, in terms of like when I went to like networking events or even like just connecting people with social media and all that, people are so open, so transparent, and they have this abundance mindset. Because at first before, I'll be like, why would people tell me how to make the money or how to like get the deal? Wouldn't they just compete with me then? Like, why don't they get the deal themselves? <laughs> it's they don't, they don't feel that way. They feel like there's money everywhere. Everybody can make money. Everybody can um, get wealthy together. So I really love that aspect so it made me open up a lot more i will i was a very very close person i don't like talking to people about money i don't like talking to people about what i do even though i do it i don't talk so yeah. that changed a lot about me oh that makes a ton of sense um just like the investor mindset in general i'll tell you why that why they're so happy to share the information because they know 90 percent of people aren't going to do it and then 10% of people will, and most of them aren't going to do it until they figure it out. So yeah. <laughs> they, they share and they're, they're going to be super happy sharing. Um, I love what you're talking like about mindset in particular, because it is by far the most important point. Um, one of our guests, Kent Claudier, um, he said this quote, I've been stealing it from him over and over, and I'm just going to say it again because it's awesome. Like ignorance on fire is going to beat education on ice every time. 
I mean, you're going to get more by taking the massive action and figuring out your limiting beliefs and overcoming that than, than all the information in the world. If you were a computer and you knew every strategy step by step, it doesn't matter if you're not taking any action. It just doesn't matter. So just go out there and do it. Go ahead, go ahead and so jump true. in there, Matt. Yeah. And so, I mean, thanks for saying that, Tim. So basically, Carmen, I, I think my question was, was for you. So, um, yes, closed. That's what I was thinking about. So you talk about the being closed. Do you feel like that was your natural personality or do you think maybe that was part and parcel for coming to Australia, maybe feeling like always on the defensive, like you were, you were negotiating for your parents and everybody was out to get you. Do you feel like that played a role in it or do you feel like maybe it was just natural personality? Maybe in a way, maybe because like I, yeah, I always have to like, you know, deal with like adult business. And then they're like, oh, don't, don't tell people about this. And then I'm like, okay, just say anything, any question that you don't, you don't want to answer, just say, I don't know. <laughs> That's what they like telling me to say, I'm like, okay. And then um, also kind of like, I was in, I was in, uh, I grew up in a place where I was literally the only colored person. I was the only Chinese person. I'm not talking, I'm not saying like people are being racist or whatever, but there's still a difference, right? And then not knowing the language and all that. So there was a little bit of bullying involved. And then at, at, at one point I kind of became the bully and I'm like, hey, you, 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 you can, um, basically like, yeah, I just kind of flipped the switch, but then I, later on I realized like that's actually not the right way to go about it either. So, um, there might be a little bit of that involved. Yeah. You've got a little fighter inside of you. Yeah, I think so. I, I was actually a lot more competitive. Like he mellowed me down a lot. <laughs> right. That's awesome. I, I can just sense that there's a fire inside of you. That's great. Yeah, I can sense it too. <laughs> so generally at this point we ask, what would you do with basically an unlimited amount of money? But I think I think we know the answer to that. I, I think I think you guys fulfill your calling. So what what I'd like to do is just ask, what's your plans for the next twelve to eighteen months? What are you hoping to build? Great question. Yeah, we just did a um, like a uh, goal setting thing with our coach. Um, was it yesterday? Or yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. So um, now we have a uh, a contact a partner that we're working with. So we're planning to do. I know it's not the best environment for flips, but we do plan to do some flips. Flips or hotels? Quick, flips quick, are, in quick and out. things because we have the crew to do it now before we didn't. So since he's on the ground, he can tell us exactly like, okay, this is how much it's going to cost and how fast I can do it. Then we can do all these calculations and say, okay, this is how much profit we can make, yes or no. And then um, we, from those profits, we can, we hopefully can get more burrs and get hold more multifamily assets. And um, I think the eventual goal is to build our systems better and get more people that can help us run the business. I want to be able to um, run it like an owner. And be able to like step away for a bit and not have to worry about it. So we're, we're still like pretty much boots on the ground in some in some places, but uh, hoping to uh, to inch towards that within the next year. That's absolutely tremendous stuff, um, Carmen. Can I ask you a potentially controversial question? Okay. It's not that controversial. Um, so you lived in China, Australia. America and Canada. Yeah. If you had to pick one of them, which one of them is your favorite? Okay, so I didn't live live in China. My parents was born there. I was born in Macau. So okay. um, that's kind of like Hong Kong, but like Hong Kong was a British colony and then Macau was a Portuguese colony. So I was okay. born in Macau, but now it's part of China. Anyway, lots of uh, lots of geography and politics there. Which one I would call home now, which one I enjoy the most. There's so many aspects. I don't know how to answer this. So, okay. Macau for the food and the culture. Australia, if I want to retire. New York is for fun. I don't know. I don't, Canada is okay too. I don't, I'm not answering your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love that okay. answer. That was great because you gave every country a bump up except for Canada. You're like, oh, Canada kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> winter is coming. Yeah. yeah. Winter is coming. That's for sure. Where can um, I go? That's not so damn cold. There's so, there's there's some drama from that three week storm she wasn't expecting. Yep, winter. Yeah, yep. it's still still living in there. 2014 still lives in her heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love it. 
Um, this is absolutely tremendous. So, I mean, um, if the audience were to reach out to you guys, what would be the best way for them to reach out? And could we put a plug for Eternal Spring one more time right here? Of course. So the, um, our handle is Zenith, Z-E-N-I-T-H, Investment Properties. It's a little long. You, you will find it when you search it. <laughs> and then um, the, this... film. the film opens um, in New York on October 14th and if you're on AMC on October 21st in select cities and the film is called Eternal Spring. There's a website as well, eternalspringfilm.com. I think they're going to um, other places. I know how where your listeners are from Hollywood, maybe even around the world. They, I think they're going to UK as well. So hopefully more places will take it. Absolutely tremendous. All of those notes will be in the show notes for the audience out there. Um, I strongly encourage you to go check out this movie. I am definitely going to do it. I am extremely ex intrigued. I'm so grateful that you guys have shared all of this story. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. So commit to taking one action and do so in the next seven days. I would encourage you to take on China. Um, that's a great thing to start Tell somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>